wait, that's not how we start this one. No. Now that we run two podcasts, I'm getting a little confused sometimes about which way we run these things. Yeah, we're actually getting a heck of a lot closer to our 100th episode now because of the... Well, I mean, we're, we're actually a lot closer, but we have to discount all the uh, Keep Beach City quarantine episodes. I know, that's so unfair. We're still making it, but to the untrained observer's eye, it might appear, oh, they aren't. But we are. Yeah. <laughs> now, now we do too many things. <laughs> Once again, we have failed to limit ourselves... And we just make everything. Uh, and you know what? I like making things with you. So that's as far as a failing goes, I'm okay with that in my book. I wouldn't say it's a failing. I would say we're having fun. And we're having fun here. It's all good fun. Uh, so we're all still mildly stuck inside. We got to do some fun things this long weekend. We got to swim. And we got to be outside for a little bit, got to play some D&D, but everything's still kind of low-key. Where things have been booming is on our streaming sites, because suddenly everything is available to watch, uh, including The Missing Link. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, we, we, there were like three shows that were like, yeah, next season is going to be available May 15th. Oh, cool. Next season's uh, another show. Next season's going to be available May 15th. Okay, cool. Next season's going to be available May 15th. What? I, I, I don't know what to do with myself. And now we're binging four shows simultaneously, which is not how God intended this to go. And we thought that we'd watch Missing Link because we really wanted to watch it when it was out in theaters. We I felt bad that we didn't support it at the time and that it didn't get a lot of money back in its investment. And we thought that was strange because Leica does such an amazing, detailed, great job. We did a whole episode about Leica movies. And... We thought, okay, well, we well, let's watch it. I mean, it's got to be either like like the best thing ever or just an awful movie, and that's why no one came to see it. And we watched it, and it was just, it's just fine, just it, like Titan A.E. Like we're on a roll here. It was just fine, guys. Why did it fail so badly? It was just fine. It was a, it, it was heartfelt enough. Um, it, I wouldn't say it's as heartfelt as say you know Kubo or uh, Paranorman. But it was still very, it, it still had a lot of heart behind it. Um, the visuals, I think that was part of the issue, is there weren't as much thought behind some of the visual shots. There, It was more about the backgrounds than what was happening in the foreground. Because there was a lot, you, I mean... You, oh, they did water. And I'm like, how do you do water, Leica? How do you do, how do you do that stop motion water, Leica? Tell me, now. How? 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 Um, and I think some of the bigger names may have brought that, you know, inflated that budget a little bit too. So gotta have all the big names in that. I guess so. You know, I don't think that like is necessarily unfunny, but I don't think that they've ever had like a third main one of the three main characters be a strictly comedic character and have the story based around his growth and development as much as our other main character. There wasn't. There's always a goofy sidekick, but never is it. It's about his struggles. Yeah, because like the um, the in Paranorman, the 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 chubbier best friend, he's kind of kind of the sidekick, the the comedic, you know, antics and stuff like that. I I thought he would be too annoying, but he wasn't. He he proved to be l less annoying. Stand back, this hummus is spicy. Like I'm like, really? 
Right. Riley. And then I watched it and he was fine. Um, but as always, trailers lie to us. Uh, yeah, and that that was one of those movies where the, like the trailer did not do justice to this movie. That movie had some amazing, amazing visuals, and so did Kubo. But this one, um, the main characters, none of the the main two um, being you know the the Sasquatch and the the Explorer. I think they have growth. But they start at a level, and they only go up a level or two, whereas the, all the other ones have a huge amount of growth. Yeah, and it seems to me that they already are where they need to be. They didn't push enough that they weren't where they were supposed to be. Just a little bit, just a, a bit farther pushed. Just a little bit. And Aaron, you even figured out that, like, six other Yeti movies all came out that year, and that maybe it got, like, buried in the shuffle. I don't know why we were really interested with the Yeti that year, but... I guess, I guess Yeti was the, the, the popular term that year, because, like, how it was, for a while, it was ghosts, and then it was vampires, and then it was zombies, and... And now we're into cryptozoology. Next will be Mothman. See, look forward to four Mothman movies coming out. <laughs> Mothman love lamp. <laughs> All these Jersey Devil movies. But yeah, like uh, Smallfoot and uh, Indomitable. Uh, like, actually, uh, Missing Link was the middle one. Which, in truth be told, I think Missing Link is the most impressive of the three. I would think so. I think Smallfoot has the better story. Because it's, you know, what happens if it's a family and they, are not family, a clan of Bigfoot or Yetis. And they think that humans are the mythical creatures i think that's kind of an interesting concept yeah i like that idea and then the other one was more of a how to train your dragon sort of thing with the big mythological creature being actually this cute adorable pet that how cool is it to have uh, you mean like i mean it's not a how you train dragon it's a every family movie ever like yes. with it like et kind of thing exactly there so we watch missing link we're like well that was enjoyable but i don't think we have a lot to talk about with it. It was just fine. We, we, we've literally... And we've the, now said everything we need to say about that movie. And I know what you're thinking. That's not what the picture promised me. You are right. Because then we started thinking... We haven't done our actual intros yet. Oh, he's Aaron. She's Elizabeth. We're married to the idea. So then we started thinking... <laughs> you, you went so fast I didn't keep up with you. No, you're right. We gotta do right. the plug party. Okay. You can follow us on Facebook at Married to the Idea. You can email us at Married to the Idea Reviews at gmail.com. And if you want to check out our back catalog of episodes, you can head to our website, marriagetheidea.weebly.com. We update on SoundCloud and on iTunes. And as we have discussed before, we now do a weekly live stream fancast of Steven Universe called Keep Beach City Quarantined, which is uploaded to this channel. So if you've seen a lot more of these episodes coming out it's because we now do a second podcast so if you are a fan of steven universe or if you want to be a part of the live conversation you can join us tuesday nights at five o'clock on our facebook page marriage the idea every week uh to talk and chill and have just a generally pleasant time so uh yeah we uh have appreciated those who've uh, stuck with us with the, the live stream we um didn't realize that we could actually have the audio recording that we do uh the come audio through. is so crisp now because now you hear through our microphones instead of through our little phone's camera yeah. which is not nearly as quality <laughs> that's why we don't record our episodes sitting uh, around an iphone yeah, the, we uh, we've uh, certainly have evolved over the uh, <laughs> the couple of years that we've been doing this, and um, it's been a lot of fun. 
uh, as we start to get a little bit reminiscent, uh, but <laughs> we're um, we're still evolving, especially with the live stream, and we're about to do something different tomorrow. So, mm-hmm. so we watch Missing Link, yeah, and we start thinking about you know there are other movies that like we really enjoy. You and I really enjoy, and we just don't like hear a lot of people talk about. We could talk about the Iron Giant. Everyone's talking about the Iron Giant. If you haven't seen it yet, I don't know what you're doing. How with your how life. how are you a cinema goer this in this day and age? In this day and age, earlier, like even in the 2000s, it would be understandable. But how are you a cinema goer, an animation fan? Not even someone cinema goer, an animation fan in this day and age, and not appreciate. Iron Giant. That's right, Aaron. Put that imaginary person on blast. I am. Take them to task. On blast. I. That tale is just sad. And I think it's gotten a great life since then. And we could talk about that. But let's aim our sights lower. Let's go easier. Let's go to DreamWorks. Because <laughs> did you dr- know? Let's, let's work up a dream. DreamWorks. <laughs> Did you know that DreamWorks used to do 2D animated movies and not Shrek sequels exclusively? Well, I, I would make it, I would say that oh, they don't just do that, but uh, Shrek 5 apparently is in the works. So. Stop it. There's no <sighs> point anymore, guys. It was a good, fun concept. The second movie was really good. They really have not lived up to that sense. But I think DreamWorks, uh, they like a them a franchise. Uh, yeah. They but like- any animation company likes them a franchise. Pixar. Pixar loves them a franchise. Yes and no, um, but all, the other ones like Blue Sky and, and DreamWorks too. But everyone's looking for that bankable thing you can trot out year after year that people will pay money for. Yep. That's a perhaps safer bet than to try and develop original content each year. But there you go, c'est la vie. We are going to talk about the. 2D animated DreamWorks movies. Which helped start. It didn't, uh, I believe their first one wasn't actually 2D. It, it was, was actually 3D. Ants. It was Ants, which was Jeffrey Katzenberg throwing up a big old middle finger to Michael Eisenberg, which we'll we'll touch on here in just a second. Did you call him Michael Eisenberg? Sorry, Michael e- <laughs> Eichner. I think you combined Jeffrey Katzenberg and Michael Eisner. <laughs> you I made did. a hybrid of 80s corporations. They're both assholes in their own right. But, Indeed. Um, sorry, Michael Eichner. Um, Eisner. Eisner. Damn it. You're never going to get this right. Keep going. Michael Eisner, who is a much bigger asshole, but they're both assholes in their own right. Um, throw, throwing up a giant middle finger to him. So we'll touch on that. Um, I think what we should do is talk about the four films first. Um, and talk about the reception, and then we talk, or do you want to do the history of DreamWorks first? Well, I can give you a quick rundown how DreamWorks came to be. Uh, You can get deeper into that creation um, with the recommendation we make with our Audible book later in the program, but the short and long of it is that Jeffrey Katzenberg was running the animation department at Disney for a while, uh, was unceremoniously foisted out by uh, Michael Eisner. He, uh, after many years asking, please put me in charge of the animation department. Please put me in charge. And, and a lot of politics came up, and um, Roy Disney was put into the head of a- the animation department because he's a Disney. Yep. And was in and after being basically promised it by, by Michael Eisner, and and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, because they were friends for a long time. And Jeffrey well, Katzenberg. Well, they grew this company together. Yeah, they were both a huge part of the Disney Renaissance, 
And finally they were like, oh, well, let's, you know, he's been running it. Well, uh, you know, why don't not offer it? Oh, well, Roy, yeah, he wants to be in charge of it. That so. nepotism will get you everywhere. So yeah. Jeffrey Katzenberg throws up two big middle fingers and says, I'm going to go make my own animation studio with Blackjack and Hookers. You know, forget, <laughs> forget the animation studio. Uh, he goes off to found DreamWorks. And the very first movie that they produce in their animation department is a little film called Ants, which some of you may find came out around the exact same time as A Bug's Life. Before. Yep. Because he managed to rush out, yep. knowing the content, knowing what Disney and Pixar were coming up with, ran to DreamWorks, made his own thing, and threw it out before they could. Now, Ants is not better than Bugs Life. God, no. It Gosh, is, it, no. It is darker. It is grittier. It is worse. Did you know that Sylvester Stallone provided his voice for free for that movie? Why? Did not take payment. Just wanted to be a part of an animated movie. I respect Sly Stallone on a lot of different rentals. Why? He could have done so many other things. Indeed. So that is the very, very short and abridged version of how DreamWorks came to be as a big middle finger to Disney, which is why when you watch Shrek, you realize that Lord Farquaad is a caricature of Michael Eisner. Yeah, that's why they have all the Disney references and all that stuff, which is really weird because Jeffrey Katzenberg is a lot shorter than Michael Eisner, and the whole joke's about... How short he is. How short he is. It might be like you Jeffrey Katzenberg like living up some weird fantasy. <laughs> Maybe one day I will be the tall person. <laughs> and you shall be the shorty. <laughs> I shall look down on your head. Uh, you know, I get it. If you want to be like a punk, edgy foil to Disney's family-hearted fair, but I would argue that Disney isn't always light and chipper that's the idea if you just looked at the branding you might think it's always light and happy they kill off so many family members there are so many emotional heart-wrenching scenes i think that's a that's a surface glance at the products of disney i i think you actually hit the nail on the head if you look at the branding like with the disney princesses and you know the disney store and stuff like that it's a lot of very happy, funly, friendly. Like the scene right after Bambi's mom dies, like with the bird singing and stuff like that. <laughs> like that scene, like kind of encompasses what people view Disney as. But then you have, you know, Anna and Elsa's parents dying after they shut their daughter away, and you know, basically in, encapsulate quarantine their other daughter. It's like there's some heavy shit that happens at Disney movies, but. But it's fun to poke fun at and pretend that it's like a Barbie movie and not something more emotionally deep and say, we can do dark, gritty stuff. Watch this. We're going to have a war movie where an ant gets decapitated and you talk to his severed head for a while. Do you remember that in Ants? Yes, I do. Yeah. So that was a thing. Or, or like the larva, or sorry, the, the, the oh, grubs. Oh, the bugs. Yeah, that the they grubs. Fight, the grubs. Oh. Um, but that's, I mean, they, they were like, oh, we're going to compete with Disney by making the same movies because he knew what the next few movies were going to be. That's why we had um, Finding Nemo and then Shark Tale uh, and then there was Anson, um, A Bug's Life. And there was one more if, that came out after As we go through, we it. might find out. But Ants was the first movie, 3D animated. And then they're like, what are we going to do for our first 2D animated movie? Because remember, we're in the very late 90s. 
very early 2000s. 2D animation is not dead yet. It is not a guarantee that 2D films won't make money. And we could go forever and on about how it's not that people don't like 2D animated movies. It's that the stories they were telling with 2D animation weren't appealing to a market, and that's why. But that's not what this is about. This is about The Prince of Egypt, a remake of the Ten Commandments in musical animated format. I, I would say a retelling of the Ten Commandments because that's the pitch. The pitch that they gave to the studio was And he actually, Jeffrey Katzenberg, had been wanting to make this for years. This is like his little passion project. Exactly. And he, he kept pitching it and kept getting turned down, pitching it, turning down, pitching it, turning it down. I don't see Disney making this movie, truthfully. I don't see that and I don't see this movie getting made without passion behind it. This was not a safe bet. Oh no. This is not a safe bet to do a historical drama that is also an animated musical. Like, how do you bridge this gap? And Prince of Egypt is one of my most favorite and beloved 2D animated movies. I love this film. Me and my sister, when we were kids, we would make up uh, musical skits to it. We'd just put a soundtrack <laughs> on our boombox in the bedroom, and we'd do whole dance routines, and we had our parents come up and watch, and we had lights and costume changes. Like, we love this freaking movie. And it's insane to me thinking about it now that it came out in the late 90s and that it was sensitive. It was not a cash grab. It wasn't a safe, lucrative bet. It was dangerous. Just think about that. The, the, a retelling of a biblical story for a mass appeal market. That just isn't something that happens anymore. Now religious movies are all in their corner with their pure flicks and they, they there's no bridge. You cannot bridge the gap. I'm except sorry. if you take I, a I've very rolled my eyes. I don't <laughs> know if you heard me roll my eyes. Let me uh, do it again. <sighs> and here's an example of how it, it works. It's not it's not always Kirk Cameron crap. Sometimes it works if you put sensitivity and thought and passion into it. And it worked. It was highly anticipated, highly praised. It definitely made its money back uh, four, three times over it made its budget back. So it was incredibly popular. And it was like, great, we can start our own DreamWorks renaissance. We can have all sorts of cool animated films come out. Aaron, had you seen The Prince of Egypt before we watched it? <laughs> I was wondering if, uh, I was, if I was gonna be able to tell this story. Um, I, and I just realized something else too. Um, I didn't realize that DreamWorks actually made that new Voltron series, or that actually on made Netflix. It. Yeah, I didn't realize. Uh, well, realize they made She-Ra too. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, and the other one you like uh, that we watched together about the apocalypse with the girl, Kipo. Kipo, they made Kipo. Damn. Yeah. Okay. So their TV animation damn. department, I think, is really just again. We could go into forever about 2D animation now living on TV and not movie. Yeah, well, and, and that, that might be a whole other episode. <laughs> uh, but uh, one, of, one of the actors that I have just absolutely adored right now, Tyler Labine uh, from Tucker and Dale vs. Evil, that guy, he uh, he's in Voltron, the, the new Voltron show. So I will actually be checking that series out now. Um, but I did actually watch this movie. I watched it when I was a kid. I, I watched it, like, probably the worst time for me, maybe – um, I, I went on a field trip. I think it was with, it was either with school, or with the YMCA that I was a part of, and uh, all I remember is getting really scared and sad when they did the biblical plagues, 
and they killed off the firstborn and I spoilers I guess but <laughs> I uh I got really scared and sad and I hated the movie until I became an adult. I, cause I, and I remember too, I can't remember if it was, I'm pretty sure it was that because there was a movie theater. Um, we, cause we live in Knoxville. Um, there's a movie theater out North of us in a little town called halls, which is still connected to Knoxville. Um, where closer to where I used to live. And, um, they had this little theater out there <laughs> and I remember going into that theater and I bought, um, I thought they were like a fun fruit candy called red hots. Oh, Aaron. Yeah, and I bought, I eat like two of them, and they're too spicy, and I end up trading them with a kid, or I gave them to a kid. I can't remember. <laughs> um, but the I I'm pretty sure that was the same time because I bought. I was so I was already made me in a bad mood, <laughs> and so you know the candy soured your experience all over. Yeah, it wasn't super funny, or I didn't get all the jokes, and then then the you know firstborn died. Being the only born at that time, or the first born, I was like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna die!" Oh no! So uh, now, being an adult, I very much enjoy this movie. It is so beautiful and grand, and the music's like I teared up. We recently just we, we, we rewatched it. it for this episode. I teared up too, and I don't recall tearing up the other times I've seen it. Me either. I don't know what it was like. It hit something. It, the 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 first song, um, the song where they're leaving Egypt, just oh man, they both hit something, mm-hmm. like and then the the brother song um, when the biblical plagues are happening. This is an amazing movie that people don't talk about enough. This I think is on the level of Iron Giant as I, a two D animated movie. It clearly did well at the time, but it's just not talked about. I wonder. If it's a religious taboo, I, I'm curious at this point. Um, but I don't think it has many bad hits. Like, there aren't a lot of points where it falls flat for me. It all seems to, to move appropriately and well. It doesn't seem to have, like, a, a bad... I would say the only time it falls flat is you're playing with the big boys now. And not for what happens during it. It's the song itself. And nothing absolutely nothing against the comedic genius of Martin Short and uh, Steve Martin. Um, it's more so the song itself. I think they were like, oh, we had to have kind of more of a comedic song. And we've got Steve Martin, Martin Short. So I felt like they had like this writing team or for the music. And then like they were like, well, do you guys want to write your own song? And then we'll kind of incorporate it. And then so they just kind of like mash it together. So like, yeah. now Kith. The ancient Egypt loving part of my childhood loved that song because they named like all the egyptian gods and goddesses i love the imagery that like it showed that because they didn't do this in the original ten commandments or at least the one uh that i saw compared to this one specifically um but i love how moses actually shows his staff to turn into a snake and then later on no at the end of the song fanfare, no flash um and then like at the end you actually see it come back in that as well and he doesn't he doesn't hide it at all but then uh when the the two priests they're like they have to hide everything because they're they're literally trying to flim flam everybody yeah they're magicians first and foremost like it's the movie does a really good job of showing that when this big bright flashing light you're like oh they just traded out the snakes for serpents Whereas in even the biblical story, the priests just do it, and there's very little ambiguity about, well, how'd they do the same thing if their gods aren't real? How'd they get away with that? And the movie kind of addresses that point. Well, I wouldn't even say that the, their gods aren't real. It's like, I think they know what they are doing is fake versus what he is doing is 
on a higher level. Yeah, exactly. And I, I didn't notice it the first time, but the 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 snake staff or the sta- staff snake eats the other two snakes. Oh yeah, to show that it's like I am superior. So yeah, I, I I I eat both of you for breakfast. I chomp you snakes down. So and that's that's why I'm like a little that that. that what happens during the song is really good. The song itself is weak, but other than that, there is some really great imagery in this. Um, Do you think the opening compares to Hunchback of Notre Dame for most epic animated opening? No, I'm, I'm really. So, I'm, it is a beautiful and well done opening. No, I'm there. There is a level that Hunchback of Notre Dame reaches that, it, and it's that choir. You can, unless another song does it or another opening does it with that choir. I, you can't compare the two. I, for me, I just think that the opening is equally epic with all the firstborns being dragged out of their homes to be killed and the soldiers running through the streets and the family trying to escape. There's ups and downs and ups and downs, whereas Hunchback, it's all up, 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 up. That's why. <laughs> it's because it's such a build, it's such a build, it's such a build, it's such a build, it's such a build. It, but it, it's a it's a roller coaster. It's literally that first moment of a roller coaster. I know you I don't I know you don't like roller coasters, <laughs> but it's that that anticipation. It's building for this ride that you're about to go on because a good roller coaster has ups and downs and allows you to catch your breath for just a moment before it drops you back down again. And that's what this, what Hunchback of Notre Dame does well, especially in the opening, is that it builds and builds and builds and builds and builds, and then that final note of the opening, and it's ah, and then it's quiet, and you're like, oh my god, I feel like I just ran a marathon. What's next? <laughs> this one, yes, it does have levels, and it's it's an incredible opening. I would agree, it is one of the best. But it's not better than, in my opinion. In your opinion. In my opinion. Uh, people can absolutely disagree. If you disagree, put it in the comments below. I do love the integration of 3D animated elements into this. And it's as, not always, as, uh, as always, I'm okay if you marry 2D and 3D. They both have their strengths, I feel like. Especially when it comes to the plagues of God, where you have these giant pillars of fire. The Red Sea parting, I can't even imagine trying to do that in 2D animation. It would take forever. It would yeah. look beautiful, but it would take forever. It would it'd probably take about as long as they did the, almost the rest of the movie, it feels like. <laughs> yeah. But like this one, it was the beginnings of the 2D integration into, or sorry, 3D integration into 2D. Um, because you can notice that there were some things that were 3D, or there's some things that they were trying it was Large like crowd scenes they'd have yeah. like, 3d models that were like 2d drawn on top just to give the illusion which i thought worked out pretty well nothing really glared at me kind of like one of the later movies we'll talk about but um the the big thing was uh the scene when he r- figures out what his what the uh, uh first pharaoh or patrick stewart pharaoh does and the voice cast holy shit perfect casting all around even with the whitewashing the whitewashing with Michelle Pfeiffer, it, this was like when it was still really rampant um, with Michelle Pfeiffer as Sephora. She was, still did a really good job because it's Michelle Pfeiffer. I wish they had gotten someone, you know, of Egyptian descent or something of those well, lines. We forget Zoe Saldana hadn't graced us with her presence yet. So we, were, we would have to wait for the woman who gets cast as every ethnic woman ever now. You are very familiar with Zoe oh, Saldana. Oh, I'm sorry. You give me a She's, give a sec. You'll remember. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and I I'm love like, Zoe Saldana. The name was like I'm like like the name's like you you should know this and then there's nothing picture wise in my head. <laughs> You've gotten lost in the brainscape. 
Right, uh, my left and right brain were like completely disconnected. Is it as bad as Gods of Egypt? No, but few things are. And <laughs> shots fired. Shots fired. Uh, the voice casting is really good. Like Jeff Goldblum is in this, and he doesn't get lost in his Jeff Goldbluminess. You know, uh, um, and um, uh, um, uh, Moses, um, you, uh, 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 you got um, uh, 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 us doing the uh, 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 mm, uh, oh, uh, 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 checkmate. <laughs> Keep going. No, don't stop. Here's a rope That's for you. Would you like to hang yourself further with this bit? <laughs> I I ended on the checkmate. I'm good. <laughs> so. I, I thought uh, the 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 oh man Sandra Bullock Sandy Bullock mm -hmm. America's sweetheart as Miriam she brought a gravitas to that role a little too much but she brought a gravitas she she felt a little bit like the uh, Fire Island Fire Island Nation Fire Nation oh, Fire the the players Ember Island players Ember Island like the I have so much. Oh, was a little bit of that, but it's still, um, it she still had a, a beautiful gravitas in this role. Our uh, our fan crush on Val Kilmer continues. <sighs> what a great casting! I am I I am going to show you maybe um closer to the fall. There's a movie. Uh, there's there's an idea I've been playing around with like with college movies or something like that. Um, <laughs> there's one called Real Genius. Because I've I've shown you Top Secret, right? Yes. Okay, that's a good, that's a great uh, parody movie. Uh, if you've not seen Top Secret, uh, it is a parody movie of like the old '50s spy movies or '60s spy movies. Uh, and Valkymer is plays like an Elvis kind of guy. He is hilarious in it. It's a, it's one of it's a Zucker's Brothers movie that is an airplane. Yes. Um, or anything with Leslie Nielsen, pretty much. So I, I recommend that. But uh, I, I, there's a one called Real Genius. I think you should check out. It's Val Kilmer at his Val Kilmer Kilmeriest. I, the story is cool. We were, I was marking on the fact that at the very beginning they show that little white text on black screen. Um, and I'm just thinking to myself as they talk about how this is based on a biblical story. Great detail and care was uh, taken to portray this as honestly and openly as possible. You can read about the story of Moses in the Bible. And I'm thinking, it is 1998. You didn't have to be this way. You didn't have to take care. You didn't have to say, we're trying our very best here. You didn't have to do that. You could get away with anything before the 2000s started. You could say anything. It didn't matter. You could get away with anything. And well, they cared enough to be like, listen. We're going to try our hardest here. If you want to read more about it, here's the, here's the source notes. Go to town. Well, they they consulted like a hundred different people or, or like even almost 200 different like religious figures on this. So, yeah, they really wanted to make sure that they covered their bases. So. And as a religious person, the changes that they make to the story don't bother me. Like it makes more sense for a good story. When God comes to Moses and says, all right, Moses, you're going to lead the people out of Egypt. He's like, I am not a good public speaker whatsoever. Aaron, why don't you come do that for me? And the brother of Moses, Aaron, is like, uh, okay, sure. And he's the one who does all the miracles and does all the talking and does all the work. And I'm like, this is a really poor story. If this was trying to be a story, it's not a told very well. So maybe it's good that we changed it to have the character who God called be the one to actually do the action. I know what you're thinking. No. I am not the brother of Moses. 
I just happen to share the same name. Just happen to share the same name. Uh, that's why my name was first in the dictionary for the longest time mm-hmm. because my uh, namesake was the brother of Moses. Yes, and that's been replaced by Aardvark as the first name. Aardvark is not a name, <laughs> you jerk. So, um, Prince of Egypt is an amazing movie, and I, I would put it on the echelon as like I enjoy. It. It's got some problems, but it's not very many. Um, there is some kind of weird animation tropes. Um, uh, I don't know if you noticed this or not, but Moses starts as a very tan guy and then becomes lighter skin. So there's like dark skin versus light skin kind of trope kind of thing. But it's the nineties. I found them to remain pretty dark skin throughout the entire thing. If you, if you put them next to each other, they're they're They look, they, there is a subtle difference, but he's, if you, and if you, especially if you look at him at the beginning, he looks Egyptian. He looks a lot more Egyptian and he looks more almost Caucasian at the end. It's a little bit of whitewashing. You know, I'm going to have to look again. I didn't, Notice that I'm no- I noticed it a little bit more this time because I think I thought about it the first time. But th- something on the positive side that I noticed the second time I viewed it as an adult, um, the the scene where he realizes what his pharaoh father had done is told completely silently. Um, it is mined through um, actually hieroglyphs, which never would have thought about telling telling that. But that's what hieroglyphs are. It's telling a story, or you know, it's a way of writing, and that's. It's a really clever way of doing that. So I, th- I thought that was really good. But um, it's a really good move. How does Ants have a higher meta score than Prince of Egypt, you assholes? Yeah, we're going to start disagreeing very fervently with the scores as we move on to the second 2D animated movie. I, I literally just saw that you as just- I saw yeah, Aaron. That was uh, a live on air. I saw these before, and I'm like, Aaron, just pull it up, and just like as we go, why don't you take a look at them? Because yeah, a 93 for Ants and a 79 for Prince of Egypt. The world is truly dead. But we go on to Road to El Dorado, which is one of Aaron's most all-time favorites. Favorite movies, like if not all-time favorite movies, like like top 20 at minimum. But if not all-time favorite movies, which um, bombed. It just bombed. It didn't make its no money one, back. No one it was wasn't it scored wanting favorably. Nobody was wanting a uh, 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 Bob Hart and uh, what's his face, you know, uh, <sighs> Stewie and Brian from Family Guy parodied it a few times, uh, where they like they basically have like a big whirlwind adventure going from one place to another. They have a destination in mind, but they're like trying to get from one place to another. Um, they did it about four or five times, like across the sea, across Koha, across whatever. Um, they, th- nobody was wanting it at that time, which doesn't make a lick of sense. We're gonna go off on a limb here and say, Roach Eldorado is very good. It is amazing. It is a very good movie. Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh are amazing together. They're really good friends in real life. That's why uh, Kevin Klein has been in a few of Kenneth Branagh's movie, movies. Um, they were in together on Wild Wild West. That I cannot as I cannot defend as hard. <laughs> um, but they are amazing together. They recorded their lines together. That That is not a common practice. It's a lot more common nowadays, but it is not a common practice, especially back then. And the chemistry between these two characters is so palpable. And, you know, until the girl comes in, but still. Um, the animation is beautiful. 
the music is amazing. I have this soundtrack. I listen to the soundtrack on the regular. It has one of my favorite songs of all time now. Mm-hmm. Like literally when I heard the song, I'm like, because it's not even one of the regular songs. It's like their, their credit song. Mm-hmm. Someday Out of the Blue by Elton John is now literally one of my favorite songs. Well, Sir Elton John did the entire soundtrack. Yep. See, they did this before Tarzan, before Phil Collins did the whole soundtrack. There was another animated movie having <laughs> one artist do everything. Yeah, copycat. Uh, but this is, it's an amazing soundtrack. It's a good score, too. If you want a, a buddy cop adventure movie set in pre-colonial middle America... Move that shows over, Cortez for the move, asshole that he is. Move over, New Emperor's New Groove. Have I got a better movie for you? Now, be careful, because Emperor's New Groove was well good, too. I love Emperor's New Groove, but it's it's all humor. Very little, like, emotion. There There is some emotion. No, it, it's more comedy-based. This, this walks that line very well. I think we can always assume that the the white person is the asshole in every pre-colonial movie. Yeah, but voiced beautifully by Jim Cummings. Mm-hmm. You'll be flogged. And when we put and in the Cuba to resupply, God willing, God. you'll be flogged God. some more. All right. Cuba! Like, we can quote this entire goddamn movie for you right now. We're not going to. We could. There's such great dialogue between them they have completely defined characters that really spar well with each other you can see how they're friends and you can see how the just all these little exchanges between them how tulio knows uh, how miguel knows to play tulio how to get him to do the adventuring that he wants to do fine the way they get each other into trouble and then get each other out of trouble they have great chemistry they have a great friendship and they really tell a really cool story about finding El Dorado and the people in El Dorado. It's still alive. Again, like like Atlantis, they thought they were just going to go find a bunch of rocks and a long bit civilization. But nope, still alive, hanging out. El Dorado is native for big, great rock! I now hope you, I didn't blow out now your Now you air. blew out the levels that time. Oh, God, yeah, that was one of the biggest ones. Oh, we might have to quiet that down. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> You have spiked it, and now I have to put a disclaimer. <laughs> I am so sorry. Um, uh, wow. It, but this is a... this, and, and the thing is, too, is they introduce the characters. They're not just like, hey, I'm the funny one. Hey, I'm the stodgy one. It's like, like Tulio is very... Uh, yeah, he's he worries, and he makes the plans, and he's very logical, but he... He can cut loose and have fun too. And Miguel is has a big heart, and he does all. He, but he likes to have be mischievous, and he's kind of a ladies' man and stuff like that. Which is really funny because they do that, and how the movie ends up. It's such a good movie. I hate early Metascore critics. Fuck you guys. I'm reading here that early in the production, uh, a lot of people, including Catherine Burke, animators, producers, they all went on. Trips to Mexico where they studied all the ancient Mexican cities like Tulum and Chichen Itza and Uxmal and just looked at them like, let's make sure we get this as accurate as possible. And it looks it. It doesn't look like a fabricated version of a Mexican city. It's like, let's take the architecture and the building styles they had and here's how they would build it. Everything from the drawings on the walls of their temples to the things that they wear. Everything has a great geometric and limited color palette design meant to uh, emphasize that. I love... 
I love the ball game. Like, I hate a sports montage in the middle of a movie. Like, why are we doing a sport? But it's fun. It's connected to the plot, and it yep. moves it along. Everything has a purpose and a reason. And um, Armand, Armand Asante, the guy who brought us from freaking Judge Dredd, can play a sinister and a little bit chilling villain. Oh, very much so. Like, how? 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 Just killing his assistant, it needs more body. I didn't get that line until I was older. Like, I was like, and I, I just heard him go, but I thought he always said blood. And I'm like, oh, I don't really get it. And when he said body, I'm like, oh, now I get it. Um, now, while Elton John did work, obviously, he that was the album. He did all the work on it. But also, lyricist Tim Rice, who you may remember from most Disney movies. Yep. Hans Zimmer is in here. John Palsier. Zimmer also worked on Prince of Egypt. The man yep. just did everything for a while. Because Hans Zimmer is really good. Now, um, but I have, a, I have a funny trivia, mu music trivia for you before okay. we go on too far. Go on. The Backstreet Boys provided backing vocals on Friends Never Say Goodbye, but they were uncredited. What I know. Okay, see that th that make that always made me um sad because the album doesn't have the Kevin Klein and Kenneth Branagh version because that is the better version because Elton John and freaking the guy from Toy Story. Um, oh yes. Uh, the guy who did that music. Randy. Randy Newman. Yeah. Randy Newman did. That that song, which I never I liked as much, I liked the movie version, but did they do the backing vocals for? Oh, sorry, friends never say goodbye. I I'm saying I'm 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 messed up. We'll come back to that fact. They did the album version for uh, it's tough to be a dad, mm -hmm. which I like the movie version of Kenneth Branagh and Kevin Klein doing uh, instead. Yeah, I prefer that. Um. But friend, oh, that it brought a, on a nice little layer to it. I like that. That's really cool. Thank you, hon. <laughs> I did not know that. I thought that was an interesting little tidbit for you, BB fans out there. <sighs> Some of us. Some of us wistfully won't staring we, off into the distance, remembering. Won't be, uh, won't be saying anything. <laughs> um, I'm very curious about like all the things that we like about this movie. The fact that it, we feel it has an em emotional core, the fact that we like how our characters are distinct, that there's an interesting plot, that this con man error is what gives it its edge. Those are all the things that we like. According to the reviews, those are all the things people hated. They thought the characters had were ident like identical, that you couldn't tell them apart, that the emotional core was completely absent. That Yeah, so everything we liked, apparently every critic in the early 2000s was like, I don't see it. Uh they can go fuck themselves. Apparently so. Uh, so I think that they are wrong, and that's just my opinion. Uh, I'm not an expert critic but like them, obviously, but the thing is is I don't think that they held uh, the, to the right light. Um, I think a lot of times uh, family animated movies were held to a very different standard than they are nowadays, and I don't think that um, they they let it be what it was mm -hmm. uh, because, yes, they have completely distinct personalities. It was beautifully animated and acted and honestly directed, too, because it was had great points. There were some slow points. It's not a perfect movie by any means, but it is well done and it is not worth a 50. Ants is not better. Not than by either a long of these shot. two movies. Not so. by a long shot. Now I will say 
Aaron and I are very biased because we will always take the 2D animated movie over the 3D animated I, movie. I will not. I will not always say that. Often but we Ants will. is not a good movie. It's not fun to look at in it's, any. No, part. it's not. Even if it was a good story, it is not a pleasant thing to look at. Uh, I believe the two people you were thinking of for those Road 2 movies is Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. Thank you. That is exactly what I've been furiously Googling trying to find it for you. I, uh, I appreciate it. That is exactly... I'm sure there's someone listening that's like, Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. Bob Hope and Bing Crosby. Come on. It's, you know... Sorry, I didn't mean to make the, this metaphorical a- person sound very snotty and whiny. <laughs> So. I will say, as a as a final sort of wrap-up before we get to our half point and our final two movies, um, we really do love El Dorado, and I think there's a reason why it bombed when it came out and why it's so popular now. It has It is having a second renaissance right now. Um, the idea that we found it later, you know, and we have brought it back to life. Not us, you and me specifically, but that our... The, the general we, the collective we. The collective we, that, we. that the culture saw this movie like, wait... I, I like this movie. It's fun. It's vibrant. It's got lots of colors. And you look back. When and it, Tulio was definitely getting a blowjob. <laughs> and when you come back to it, when you have it now to come back to, it's so much easier. Anything that came out during The Lion King and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast was going to look like a copycat because it had the same sort of big animated movie. Like I think everything was getting unfavorably compared to a Renaissance Disney movie when they were making him at this time. Prince of Egypt, I don't think did. It was enough distant that it didn't have any but sort of... But this one wasn't. I mean, this uh, if anything, it could be compared to Emperor's New Groove, but Emperor's New Groove was so silly that this was honestly more of the more mature movie, even though this was still silly in its own right. Yeah, and I think the uh, best way to have it... Uh, 2D or 3D, DreamWorks or Disney, both, 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 both is, is good. good. That's a great way to end it, hon. Kiss. Good job. I kiss the chef. Let's move on to the sponsor dome. Two sponsors enter. One sponsor leaves. All right, guys. So uh, our first sponsor, as always, is Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get started today. Why Audible? Audible content includes an unmatched selection of audiobooks, audio, original audio shows, news, comedy, and more from leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, and entertainers. Our recommendation for you today is actually having to do with what we're talking about. The title what is... About, would, you, would you look at that? Well, it's like we picked these things in advance. It's like it's a cohesive unit. <laughs> uh, this is uh, The book is called The Men Who Would Be King. An almost epic tale of moguls, movies, and a company called DreamWorks. Uh, and you can tell that uh, it would be uh, it's going to be a good one because it has the pictures of the three men who started it. Uh, Steven. Oh, my God. Steven Spielberg. Oh, gosh. You Katzenberg. forgot Spielberg? <laughs> I forgot St- Spielberg. Um, and uh, David Geffen. Who is the billionaire? So. <laughs> For 60 who years, has money. He's famous for money. He's famous for money. For uh, the synopsis, uh, for 60 years since the birth of United Artists, the studio landscape was unchanged. Then came Hollywood Circus Maximus, created by director Steven Spielberg, billionaire David Geffen, and Jeffrey Katzberg, who gave the world The Lion King, the an, an entertainment empire called DreamWorks. Uh, it is by Nicole Laporte, and it is narrated by Stephen Hoy, uh, H-O-Y-E. It's 18 hours and one minute. And what link do they need to go to, Aaron, if they want to try out Audible for free? 
that is going to be audibletrial.com slash married to the idea. And remember that is T-O the idea, not number two. Um, our challenger today, we have spoken about Webtoons before, the online platform where uh, creators can come and share their uh, comic genius. There are many series that are either Canvas Originals or sponsored by the site that we are really into. But today we're actually going to talk about their short story contest. Yeah, it's something that came up, um, I want to say, Late the last, last month. Year. Oh, they, I thought of they've been advertising it for a while. They gave them they gave creators half a year to start getting together a comic idea, a fully fledged long format comic short story that they would then release on the webtoon platform and then us, the readers, would vote to see which one should get to be published, which one should be part of the webtoon canon, which one will get money, which one will win. Uh, they have two different categories. One for heart and one for mind. So there are ones that are meant to be like real brain thinkers. Ones that are built more on the uh, complexity of the world or the characters. And then there are... A lot of people take it as uh, more of a thriller or horror kind of base. For comics, I think that makes sense mostly. Mm -hmm. That you that you have to have a, a pull. So the pull is psychological thriller. Uh, and then for the rest of us... Uh, plebs like myself there is the heart category where it's all based on character feelings and emotions and relationships which is funny because i'm going to recommend the heart one too so am i oh we're such we're such basics well i have some great brain ones um but none that just have hit me as hard as this heart one so well why don't you go first time okay well um my uh my heart one that i would recommend um i'm trying to remember if there is a brain one uh, but my heart one that I would recommend is called Blackbird Hill. Um, and I try to see if this uh, creator, because some of the other ones that I have been following um, are by creators who I already follow. Who already have comics that they are producing on Webtoon and have decided to do a short story submission as well. Yeah, like uh, uh, FYAA, um, who does a horror comic and is doing another horror comic. Um, or the one from the creator of Across the Bridge is doing a, uh, a thriller comic, which I would recommend, but it's, it gets a little hard if you're a, uh, maybe a female because it deals with stalkers and stuff like that. Um, that was it, the reason why I couldn't go watch the Invisible Man remake. Like, yeah. it would have hit too close to home for me. Yeah. And, and there's so, like, there, but the, the artwork is amazing in it. And she's a great writer, too. So I think there's some really great points. Um, but the one uh, the, that I am recommending is Blackbird Hill. Because the illustrations and the artwork behind it is amazing. Um, it is, it's got kind of an anime style, but it's also got a lot of Western influences as well. Um, I'm not sure what ethnicity or what background the, the um, artist is, but they are definitely, they have a lot of influences um, in it. But the story, um, because it's only three episodes out right now, possibly four at the most, the first one is like, super triple deluxe long it's so long um and it's it's a really interesting story dealing with uh witches and uh prejudices and stuff like that um there's a couple other like um webtoons out there that deal with witches and, and don't get me wrong there's a there's really really good ones out there but i recommend this one because this is their first webtoon um th th that's a that's for a lot of them uh, a lot of these creators are, this is their first foray into Webtoon. You can see it when you look at the submissions. There are people who have never done a Webtoon before. 
and it's a hard format to work in. There's a lot of people who do comics that we like, like Stuffed, who clearly makes the panels in a traditional format and then has to reformat them for a webtoon vertical scrolling format, yeah. which means sometimes a lot of details get missed. Uh, there's one that I love uh, that that had had to kind of adjust to that, and it now does it in the webtoon format, uh, Irma, which is kind of a uh, almost AU of the Ring Girl, <laughs> and it's so adorable. I, I, I've recommended it to Liz a few times, but Blackbird Hill, it is gorgeous illustration it does not get near enough attention um i honestly will probably link to that specific one well that's i think we'll do that for both Share of them on the page yeah um but they're they're both it is it is absolutely gorgeous it needs more recognition it, I, I hope it gets some sort of something because i know that they have prizes like sub prizes before beyond first place but it is amazing like Story-wise, it's great. Um, the main characters are deep, and they're not just you know one-note stuff. And, the, and it's so cute, so mm -hmm. damn wholesome. And there's some other ones out there, and I'm, I'd be happy if if, if you want to throw in the comments like, "Hey, I've been on webtoons," or "Hey, I want more web comics to read." Because there's uh, the, I discovered webtoons because of um, trying to find horror comics. Because uh, I wanted to find the ones that were interactive, and Webtoons actually has two sets. They have ones that are interactive only on the computer, and they have ones that are interactive on your phone. And the ones that are interactive on your phone threw me the fuck off. So You don't expect them to move. Oh, it, it interacts you with you in a different way. Oh, please don't. <laughs> so, um, I but I definitely recommend uh, the, the I recommend Blackbird Hill, which. Which uh, one do you recommend there, hon? Uh, I recommend Lemons by Paige Walsh. It's this really great fable, and it's not a fable you've heard before. The themes might be similar, but it's in the style of a just-so story where it's explaining why something is the way it is. Uh, and the style is adorable. The characters are heartfelt. Uh, she plays with a gorgeous palette and gorgeous character design. And uh, Paige has actually done three submissions into the short story contest. So she went ahead and made three different submissions for three different types of stories. This isn't our Paige. No, Paige Walsh okay, from I was about Lemons. To, I, I was about to say, I'm like, this isn't our yeah, Paige. Paige Walsh. Like, you like can follow her on Instagram if you want to check out her work. Um, it's really adorable and really heartfelt. She plays the emotional angle really, really well. And um, I won't spoil the ending, but from the title Lemons, I think you might get the sense of what it is. Uh, it's already completely finished, so you can read the entire five-chapter arc. That's on what they're supposed to be. Yeah, the short stories are supposed to be start to finish. They're supposed to. I'm reading one called Homecoming, which is about a prince boy and a werewolf girl, uh, but they only have four out of five, and each week they release a new one. Well, no, I'm saying, I'm saying like it's a completed story. It's yeah. a complete. Some of them have released all five at once. Some of them are doing piece by piece by piece. Gotcha. Uh, so hers is completely uh, finished, so you can read the whole thing already. Yeah, that's that's what I was meaning. It's like once they, it, whether it's like five or ten episodes, I, I I think there is a limit. But once they reach that final episode, it's supposed to be the end of the story. Yeah, exactly, because it's a short story, not yeah. a chapter of a larger story. Uh, but yeah, you can get Webtoon on your computer, 
or an app on your phone. And uh, it's completely free, and it's a great app because not only is it free for the readers, but you can support the artists. If you find one artist that you absolutely adore, like the one for Laura Olympus that you know Liz and I absolutely adore. Her Patreon is a uh, not safe for work. Hers is for eighteen plus up. It's all. Are you supporting it? Mm-hmm. You've not told me this. Uh, if you want to support a creator or support us, because hey, we're creators too, <laughs> uh, you can find us on Patreon.com. We're married to the idea. Patreon.com/slash married to the idea. You can select a tier and uh, be behind the scenes with some of the stuff that we're doing with our creations. Uh, you'll especially know uh, when episodes come out early. And you'll get a sneak peek at things we're planning on. Uh, for example, we're not going to spoil it here, but an announcement was made about a movie coming to Disney Plus later this summer that we just can't wait for. Oh, uh, well, I think I actually announced it on the page already. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Well, you should follow our page then, then you know what the hell we're talking about. Yeah, for those of you who are on uh, only the uh, SoundCloud. <laughs> so. Or uh, iTunes. <laughs> so we uh, we started so promisingly. We had. Prince of Egypt, a strong, strong start. And then we have Road to El Dorado, which is a, a bit of a stumble, but which has gained great popularity in today's cult, age. Cult a following. cult following in today's age. And then we start having some problems. So I'm going to read the, the titles between the two. These are, and I won't, I won't worry about like any TV stuff, but um, Chicken Run came out was the next one that came out um, after Road to El Dorado, which this is an uh, Ardman um, co-production. Uh, co um, and I remember watching it as a kid, and I enjoyed it. It's funny. It's got some um, some good moments. It's flawed. It's very much flawed. It has a much higher score than freaking Road to El Dorado. It has a almost perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes, Chicken Run. It's not that good. I think that... The, again, the animation style came out at just the right time. People enjoyed seeing a more experimental way of animation. I, I love Armin. I love the Armin stuff. Like Wallace and Gromit stuff is is fun, but it's not. I'm like that's why I like like it because I love the experiments and the the just uh, depths that they go to with it. But um, like that and Robot Chicken and stuff like that. I love the stop motion stuff, but it's not better than these two movies. I wouldn't think so, but I think again. A different story than we were perhaps that perhaps we want as yeah. a modern audience perhaps back then more so um and then they made a documentary about the making of the chicken run because it again it's a stop motion and stop motion movies were not being made at that moment um and then they did a uh, kind of a direct direct dvd movie uh joseph king of dreams which which is the only direct to uh video movie that the studio ever did i took a list it was the only one that was uh, direct to video which stars Ben Affleck and Mark Hamill, which was really weird. Um, but it, I have seen Joseph King of Dreams. It's okay. It looks, but it's no it Prince lo- of Egypt, and that's what looks, they're trying to yeah. do. They're it trying looks to like a downgraded Prince of Egypt. They had, I'm sure they had an idea of doing all sorts of biblical stories from all across the Bible with the animation style of Prince of Egypt. I get it, but it was not the way to do it. Yeah, you can't it, franchise the Bible. Bible already did that. Bible is Bible. You can't yeah. franchise it again. Yeah, it looked like they were trying to go into like the the Bible stories or Bible do kind of area. But then we have a little tiny little film. Yep, a small little film. Perhaps you've heard of it, like when you've been deep diving on the internet. It's called. How do you pronounce this, Aaron? 
Shike? Shike? It's Shrek. What? Shrek. What? Shrek. Shrek? Shrek? I've never heard of this. Shrek was the moneymaker. It made over twice the amount of money that Prince of Egypt did on a cheaper budget. And here we have the beginning of the end for 2D animated movies. Ah, it's so cheap to make a CG 3D animated movie. Why don't we just cut costs there? Why not? Make jokes exclusively aimed at both kids and adults by making them all about farts. And we'll just, again, again, the idea of subverting the fairy tale. This is such a DreamWorks Katzenberg thing to do. Somebody once <laughs> told me. No, Aaron, we're going to get sued for copyright. You can't sing uh, any more of that okay. song legally. I, I don't get me wrong. Shrek is a funny movie, and the first one especially is 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 a lot is very heartfelt. The second one is better. It has a lot more. Um, it takes a lot more risks and has some um, better funny moments. Um, but it's not better than these movies that then we're talking about. And it just Shrek is fun, but Shrek is fun in like Emperor's New Groove style. Exactly. It shouldn't be like tiered on the upper echelon of the movie. We like we rewatched a. Just a cover, just a drunk recap of what the summary of this movie is. And oh it is my bonkers. God. It is bonkers. A donkey has sex with a dragon? What? Yeah. What? What is happening? You're, you're a lovely, uh, a lady dragon. A girl dragon. Yeah. Eddie Murphy's in it, and this movie made $480 million? What? What? I oh, see yeah. 260. Uh, now that might be domestic. I think that, yeah, that's what I'm looking at worldwide gross. Gotcha. And that doesn't account for the budget. Yeah. I'm not, we're no math magicians here, but we, <laughs> no, we're not here no. to play numbers. So Shrek comes out, entire thing thrown topsy turvy. Oh my gosh, movies can do this now. But Katzenberg hasn't given up on 2D animation. Well, and this, this is the thing too is, is Pixar had been around at this point because they had released Toy Story, Bugs Life, uh, I don't think we had gotten to Cars yet. No, Cars is a 2004 joint, yeah. if I recall. So, but we Monsters Inc. So we they'd seen that 2D was a money maker, and but 3D um, was too. So why don't we split? We'll have some of each. Uh, yeah. So they're like, maybe we can still, because even Disney was still thinking this too, because this was right around the time they were starting to make. Uh, or not back in the barnyard. Uh, the one with the cows. So this was this is when they're starting to beginning of the end for the Disney two D animation. Yeah. And the beginning of the end for the two D animation for DreamWorks, which is weird because they ended on a high note. Disney on a ended on a very sour low note. So. Agreed. Um, but I'm I'm looking and according to IMDb, which IMDb apparently is not the. Uh, and all be all yeah. on the internet because uh, the the next one it says that DreamWorks either produced or something like this, Alienators Evolution continues, a TV show that continues the movie Evolution. You are on some second wave deep tier internet listing here because IMDb. You are going crazy. I'm on Wikipedia and it mentions nothing of this. Now, are you looking at movies? I'm looking at strictly. DreamWorks SKG animated movies. Okay, which yeah, because the this only is, thing I'm interested yeah, in. It, it's got like the Shrek in the Swamp karaoke dance party, where it shows at yeah, one did, point, like, at one point, Farquaad in a dragon's stomach. Yeah, like staying alive, stay alive. Which is yeah, that's irrelevant to the discussion at hand. Yeah. So, but now the next movie is probably the weakest of the four, in my opinion. Spirit St Stallion of the Cimarron. I always say it wrong. Yeah, Aaron, that's probably the worst title for Aaron to ever have to read out loud in a microphone. Yep. Uh, 
Spirit is, I think, what I kind of wanted animal movies to be for a while. Like, they did most animated movies that had an animal. The animal just talked. And you just knew what they were thinking. They just they just talked English. Maybe humans couldn't hear them, but you could hear them. And you knew what they were thinking. And animals just aren't that expressive in real life. The way that they express themselves is not how you would. So when you get to spirits, Dying of the Cimarron, they tell a majority of it through visuals, through song lyrics, and through narration. But the horse doesn't move its lips and words come out. It's not a Mr. Ed scenario. It's yeah, it's not like... <laughs> no, it's just this horse who's separated from his herd and wants to get back. And we're, we've moved from middle America colonialism to proper America colonialism. You know, the one that we really should feel worse about and we somehow don't. Where westward expansion was happening, the wild west was being tamed, um, and they tie in the story of the stallion with the story of westward expansion and how he has to make sure that man doesn't come to his herd which is to say harm or the end of their existence comes to his herd. Um, this mo If you do not like horses, if you do not like the music stylings, I don't think this movie was ever going to appeal to you. This is such a niche movie. Yeah, I I remember watching it with um, our, fr our, our friend, your roommate, your friend, um, Jenny, who is who was an animation student and a professional animator for a while. Um, who really taught me, uh, I, I can't speak for you, Elizabeth, who taught me specifically um, a lot about animation and what to kind of look for in this kind of these kind of aspects. And she's like, oh, it's so gorgeous. And look at this and look at that. And she I remember she had this like binder of just animated movies. She, she I has think she, every Studio Ghibli film in a oh, yeah. giant binder, along with all the Disney films. Mm -hmm. She has them all. And. It's ironic. I wonder if she ever updated to Blu-ray. It's ironic that we see that because Spirit was actually nominated for the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature, and it lost to Spirited Away. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, have you ever seen Spirited Away? I have not. That's going to be a movie we watched. Um, but this one, and we'll, we're not going to spend too much time on it. I remember watching it and not being bored, but not being as enthralled as as I as I am with these other three movies because. I can watch um, Road to El Dorado almost any day. Like I, that's that's the DVD I have kept almost the long one of the one of the DVDs I've kept the longest. Um, I, I keep it for a lot of reasons, but like I don't. That's one I'll probably never get rid of until DVDs become completely obsolete, which right now they aren't. Um, but you know, Prince of Egypt was it is now becoming a quick favorite of mine. And then the next movie that we'll talk about is has I, I have a huge appreciation for. Excuse me. Um, but this one is probably my least favorite of them. It just didn't catch me like the other ones. And I, I don't know if it's because it's not dialogue heavy. And maybe if I watch it again, I might have a better appreciation. We didn't watch it uh, for this for recap. For me, I, I saw this movie a bunch. Like, I really liked this movie. But I also really like horses. So I may be predictable here. But I really liked the idea that they literally told a story just through horse sounds. There is some uh, Matt Damon narration behind the scenes, but mostly it's just like horses giving each other looks and knickers and like communicating 
that way, which is not the way that anthropomorphic a- animal movies usually go. N- yeah, it's usually like some sort of like narration or, you know, they, they communicate some way. Which There's a huge integration of 3D animation in here, too. Yeah, I, I don't remember. Uh, I guess it's been a while. I mean, it's been... You forget, like, you come in sweeping, you follow this eagle through this canyon and down this riverbed and around a waterfall, and it's all, you can tell it's all 3D and 2D working together to show these cinematic sweeping vista shots that you wouldn't get with just traditional 2D animation. It's Beauty and the Beast sweeping down from the chandelier. It's, it's all that c- coming together. Big rotating shots of a horse bucking on a, on a hill. Uh, yeah, there's they they really worked really hard to try to integrate 3D and 2D in these movies, and I think they did a better job than like Disney did because I think Disney were like they were like okay well we'll have Pixar and then we'll have 2D and it's like it didn't really work as well and now they're starting to understand the the uh, the compatibility of it and now we have a full movie of it of complete integration with Klaus and we we have Which a whole is what episode we were, we were going I think that was the natural conclusion I just want I want to see more like it I don't want them to think that that was just a one off yeah I want I them really, to please please please, please don't be a one off please it's please. so beautiful keep thinking um I I love the story of Spears trying to get back to his mom and his herd and meeting this other horse and learning uh, and you know us learning as spirit learns about what the West is really changing into with the the armies that are out there and the trains, uh, just all these ways that a man is encroaching on it. And it never really feels very political. It doesn't feel like man is bad and nature and blah. <laughs> they, they try not to hit that. It doesn't hit that way to me. How about that? The worst animal of all. Man. man. Yes, man. Uh, but I I think you're right. Even though I like spirit. I don't think it I think it is the weakest of these four and yeah. that's it's it's a, such a small group like you you don't understand we're almost at the end of the 2d animated DreamWorks movies it's such a small group I was certain that there was more but it was because they've made like 30 billion movies but it's just these four these are this, the only four uh, 2d animated and you're like well wait I don't there understand there must be yeah. more but are there we, isn't we we try like there's there's times when we'll, we record and we're like and we try to do research as we're talking and we're not that good at it but this one we did all prior research we had to be ready for this because for five years it's a five-year period from 1998 to 2003 that they made these four animated movies and then never again yep never again and then of course now it lives on tv so perhaps it's not truly over and and that's another way that they're integrating 2d and 3d animated things so i'm i'm like I didn't realize that Kupo or Kipo was uh, DreamWorks, or I didn't realize it. Um, I've watched uh, uh, the La- Last of the Trolls, the Arcadian thing, the the one that your brother watched for like a, a moment, and then I picked up. Or, yeah, and that was Troll Hunters. F- Troll Hunters. I watched that movie or not movie that that TV show, and that was fun. I, it was a little too childish, but like these other ones, like Shira and Kipo and like Voltron, which are getting like national recognition and like. I, like one of our most popular episodes is She-Ra season one. <laughs> so um, it, it's astounding that we've got, you know, these amazing shows and they're coming from DreamWorks. So maybe we're, we're witnessing this second resurgence of the, the 2d just on the television side or the, uh, you know, the short form side. So, you know, maybe we need to do an episode on that. Maybe we do. Uh, but let's go ahead and get to 
the nail in the coffin of 2D animation drew, which at doesn't DreamWorks, make which doesn't make sense. Guys, it don't make any sense on this one. Like, nope. like we, we said this about El Dorado. It don't make sense on this one either. We get... It's not as strong as El Dorado. I would say this is number three. And uh, I would say, personally, it's Rota El Dorado, Prince of Egypt, then this, and then uh, Spirit. But I'm sure you have one and two reversed. So That's exactly it. We get to Sinbad, Legend of the Seven Seas. This is a fun movie. It's just fun, guys. Like, it's very fun. Like, this is like... This is if you took Rhoda El Dorado and Prince of Egypt and like kind of like somehow mixed them together with some fun mythical stuff. Yeah, the idea of again the treatment of myth, changing it to be something different. Uh, I like this idea. The Sinbad is like a storied movie. Like they make tons of Sinbad movies. Yeah, like, I tried to watch an like, anime based on it. I couldn't. Like Robin Hood, Sinbad, Aladdin. Yep. You hit your uh, tales, your Arabian Nights tales, and all of these uh, classic myths. You keep returning to them because they have King tr- Arthur. Exactly. Yeah. These are these are concepts, just like our modern day comic books. They're concepts you can return to again and again to explore different things of how they would interact in the world around them. Uh, good news. Uh, very good news. Russell Crowe was supposed to originally voice Sinbad, but he dropped out. Aren't you so glad about that? Yeah, I actually, I'm, I'm really, really glad because who they got to replace it, If for those who haven't seen this movie, it was Brad Pitt. And you were like, well, Brad, Brad Pitt. Pitt. This is back when Brad Pitt was trying. Now, Brad, <laughs> don't get me wrong. I actually, actually respect Brad Pitt as an actor because there are some amazing movies that he's put out. Um, that when he when he puts effort into a role and he's not just I'm Brad Pitt, therefore you're, I'm gonna make you so much mo- amount of money, and then it's me and Angelina Jolie and there's gonna be so much more money. It's when he puts forth an effort into a role like you know when you have like more the '90s and the 2000s stuff like Fight Club and uh, Twelve Monkeys and stuff like that. He's a really good actor. And there's been a lot of stuff here recently where, again, he's putting forth effort, and he's a really good actor. And this was one of those times. He was charming, charismatic, a little bit mischievous, and he's just like, I'm falling in love with him now. I think with most of these movies where they take place not in modern times, it's when they skew towards a modern humor or modern talk that it kind of loses me in these sorts of movies like emperor's new groove works because from the beginning they're like we may be set in this time period but we're not at all adhering to anything about this we say what we want we're fast talking wisecrackers but uh with sinbad it's only you think it's only really cringy when you get like woes or far outs like you get like some modern vernacular slip into it and you're like oh, this is nah. But when it sticks to the idea of this thief who could have been someone else and chose this life of stealing and piracy and adventuring and the characters that interact with him along the way, um, I I really, really enjoy it. And I don't know why it gets so much hate. Like, there, there have been worse movies. Absolutely. And I love what Sinbad's like the greatest movie just to like put on and watch when I'm feeling like low or it's just it's just fun and enjoyable. It's got enough emotion that I'm invested, but not too much that I like cry unceasingly, which is like Iron Giant, which I love Iron Giant, but oh, gotta be yeah. in the mood to watch it. Also, 
the freaking animation. I was, I was like, like, there's other things to talk about. There's so oh, many, there's so many okay. other things we could talk about. But really, 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 if you give a crap about the art of animation in the slightest, just watch it for the goddess heiress. The animators must have spent years making her hair do that. Her body, her fluidity, it's gorgeous. It's so unnatural, but it works so goddamn well. Michelle Pfeiffer returns yet again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> having can't... having the time of her life voicing this at this role. Oh, so fun, so silky smooth and threatening. It, she is a great villain. Because she's allowed to be everything. She's allowed to be threatening, and she's allowed to be funny at times. Cause flirty, flirty. Yeah, she's she's not like funny in a I I I goofed and fell over, and that's why you laugh at me. It's more like uh, you. She looks at the ruined hellscape of her world, and she says, "Oh, you like it? I'm planning on doing the whole world this way." Just like she's such. incredibly witty. It's so it's a well written role. Well written role. It starts out simple. You think it's so freaking simple. She sees these two ships, and you're like, what's she going to do? Oh, she just wants Sinbad to seal the Book of Peace. That's chaos. But then he doesn't. And she's like, oh, good. The plan is going according to plan. What plan? She gets back, and Sinbad doesn't seal the book. And she's like, oh, this is just too easy. And every step you take, you think, ah, people aren't doing what she wants them to do. And by the end, you're like, oh, they actually did exactly what she wanted to do. She wrote the entire thing, and... It's yeah, it's like, oh, they, they killed her monster, but the monster's still there. And she wanted that to happen. Like, all these little trips and tricks. And I have several questions. <laughs> <laughs> so, compelling villain, gorgeous animation on her. I could watch a oh. whole movie about her, just the way that she slips and slides her way throughout the room. And it's, it's so interesting. Ooh. And, like, there's, there's like, it opens this, this realm of possibilities. What other gods are there? Because right now, this is the goddess of chaos, and discord in, but that's the only one the we've seen. Gods? Yeah, who else would show up in this? I'm I'm, gl- I'm glad they stuck to just one because it allows a lot of focus on her. Because I don't think it would be nearly as good of a character if we, you know, introduced too many more. But it's just still like, and by the end, if another if another god came up and was like, Eris, bad, slap you on the hand. You've been yeah. a bad goddess. Back to your temple. Like that would have been such a. Ugh. But yeah, like 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 she like oh no, I almost had him, I almost had him. And it's like yeah, it would have been too. Yeah, I agree, I agree. But, it's but just, she's uh, outwitted by human kindness. Like Sinbad, freaking gets decent. He's like, you are my friend. You stuck your neck out for me. I want like, to. I want to be the minute. person you could be proud of. Yeah, he literally goes like, wait a minute. I came back and uh, almost sacrificed myself. You made a promise. Cross Ooh. your heart. This has got to look a little embarrassing for you, Eris. His and and you, we want to talk about her animation. His animation in com- in com- in combination of with Brad Pitt's voice is like you gotta admit this is kind of embarrassing. Like the subtle like lean forward, like if you if you keep your word, it's like he like oh you know that sounds like a great great deal if you stick to it. Like it's so subtle shit with Sinbad too. Like, I do love yeah. Yeah, the animation for all the characters is really good, and oh, it yeah. matches well to their voice acting, like very well. Yeah, uh, Joseph Fines, um, who I don't believe is related to Ray Fines, um, I, or their cousins or something like that. Um, the, he he's a great job as Phoebus or not Phoebus. Um, <laughs> uh, y- y- Proteus. Proteus, sorry. Um, he's great as Proteus. Oh, Proteus and Marina. Oh, they're so sweet together, and 
it's so sad that like I you want them to like, get together. Like they have a nice little chemistry together. I I like them a little bit more than I liked Sinbad and, and, and Marina. So just a little a bit. A little like, bit. Yeah. But th- it was because it was an arranged marriage and th- that was a And they a grew to mutually choice. like each other. I think. Yeah. And yeah, it has to do with Marina's choice to do the things that she wants to do out of life. I think that's the important thing. Yeah. I do like it a little bit better. Uh, Explored Missing Link. When our female adventure at the end, our main protagonist thinks he's going to get her and get a kiss out of her. And she's like, no, no, I went on this you, adventure with you, but I'm going to now adventure for myself. That's what I want to do. Not for my husband, not for you, but for not, me. Not even for Susan. Just for me. It's like, like it, That's it's, a cool female like, character turn. Like you've grown. But not enough. Not enough. You're not there yet. I'm not just going to Th- get a with really you. Cool, that's a really cool choice. Like, I, I applaud the filmmakers for that choice. Yeah. It doesn't, like, save the rest of the movie. <laughs> it doesn't make it, it, like, the perfect movie, but it yeah. is nice to be like, no, I'm just going to, like, do my own thing. It is the uh, better turn for uh, Wild Wild West, for that character who at the end is like, that's oh, my husband, and she just walks not away. my father. He's my husband. And doesn't kiss any of our main leads. That's, again, a very if weak If she sauce does, it's turn. like on the cheek or something like that. It's, it's like yeah. a respect thing. So. Weak sauce turn. But Sinbad is a good movie, too. It does not need to be the final note of the 2D animation for the movies uh, of DreamWorks. But somehow, here we are, you know, uh, 17 years later, and it is. But but I, I get, as we've kind of said, it's not the end of 2D animation with DreamWorks uh, because as we've seen with She-Ra, with Kipo, with Voltron, there it has made uh, some sort of resurgence. It's uh, with but with short form instead. And in all honesty, that might be better because She-Ra, like there, were, I remember it was either season two or season three. We we're just like random like, do episodes of She-Ra. Do what? <laughs> like we were ready for it. <laughs> like okay, let's. I guess we're watching She-Ra. So, um, it's there. And the thing is too is they're allowing for even though She-Ra is a um, uh, an adaptation, you know, a much better adaptation, but it's an adaptation. It's it's allowing for more exploration in it. And She-Ra is beautiful uh, visually, and the story is so well done. I can't imagine her being just a female counterpoint to an already existing male character. Oh, God, no. Yeah, she's her own thing. And when I hold aloft my magic sword, (laughs) I Um, said, hey! uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg's comment after the loss by Sinbad, I think, is poignant, and I think has been proven wrong multiple times since he said this. I think the idea of a traditional story being told using traditional animation is likely a thing of the past. And, and that's where we have to disagree because tradition, that's the thing where his, where th- he is wrong is where he says traditional um, because traditional animation is no longer valid and traditional stories are no longer valid because people want to say, Oh, traditional family. There is no such thing as a traditional family anymore because even if you say, a quote-unquote traditional family, a mother, a father, and I do not agree with that in the slightest. You have a mother, a father, and you know children. You could still have a grandmother that's in there, or you could have a cousin that comes and lives with the family for a while, or you could have an adoptive, you know, um, a, a foster person. Or if you go untraditional, as majority of the families are nowadays, it's it is not tra- tradition is untraditional. Untradition is now tradition. I think that it really, 
I know we keep bringing up Klaus. We never will stop. No, nope, never. But that is the perfect example of saying, listen, I do have a story I want to tell. I want to tell it using this beautiful medium. I want to show you all it's not dead. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to use all the tools at my disposal. Instead of saying I can only do 2D this one way, I'm going to say no. I can do 2D a bunch of ways. And you can see steps. There are these, these little steps along the way, things like the Paper Man short, where the idea of drawing over 3D models or creating 3D models that look like drawings. The art isn't dead. The idea of 2D animation and a traditional story arc isn't dead. It had to grow. It had to evolve. There have been many story, traditional stories that have broken these the arcs, that have broken boundaries, that have broken a lot of this stuff before now. And you can't, Every fairy tale you, remake that comes to a movie is often pulling something new out that wasn't intended in the original. The original Beauty and the Beast was not about... Um, the uh, outcasting of people who don't fit into society. It was not about that at all. It was about telling young girls, it's okay if your husband looks scary because he might have a good heart. It was terrifyingly realistic for the day and age. Yep. And it's not about that anymore. And I think that's the importance of traditional stories is that when you place them into a new time period or modern context, the focused sharply changes. It becomes an entirely new thing that you couldn't have even conceived of before. I completely agree. So, um, and, and that's, and there, there's a saying that um, I have been using since high school art is you have to know the rules to know how to break them. So you have to know traditional storytelling and know traditional um, filmmaking or even you know animation to know how to break them. But you also have to know there, there are so many elements that you can incorporate. There is a film that is one of my personal favorites, um, and I think this will be a good way to kind of end this. Um, there is a film that is one of my personal favorites called August Rush, and he ends the whole movie with this almost symphony. Um, it's not an entire musical set, but it's one song. But he incorporates so many different things throughout the the from the rest of the movie. Um, into this one song, there's a part where he has something that's being swung through the air. Uh, he has a choir um, because at one point he sneaks into a church. He, um, you know, has a guitar because he was dueling guitars at one point. You know, he incorporates everything and it's beautifully done because you have to experiment. You and, and sometimes it doesn't work like that. But there's there's a lot of times where like, well, I want to try this. Okay, does it work? Yes, it does. When you are creating something like that, experiment. You break traditions, break the boundaries. So no, traditional storytelling with traditional artwork or traditional animation is it is a thing of past because traditional stories are no longer relevant, and traditional animation is no longer relevant because we have so many different ways to do it now. Like, See, I would disagree with you completely that they're both extremely relevant. The traditional story and the traditional animation is why we have things like Klaus. Well, yes, we're, but the traditional story is we're not looking at the same story at the same angle. We're looking at it at different angles. I would hope that that is why stories have stood the test of time. I would say that the best stories that last the are because you the, cons the, the context of it has yeah. changed. The story remains the same. How you view it is completely different. The concepts, yeah. I agree. 
I would agree. And then the animation changes. Like, w- I just got uh, information from someone who makes animatics from a podcast, the the Min Man podcast. One one of the people who made a animatic, and I was curious, and he's like, "Oh, I just used Procreate and made the frame uh, as a separate layer or something like that." So there's so there's so many different ways, and two D is not dead. Two, it, absolutely not, and especially with television and Klaus and stuff like this, where people are keeping it alive you know they're not it's not flatlining and they're they're jumping it is they are finding ways to keep it growing plus millennials won't let anything die nope not for a second even though we're the ones that are killing everything in that 3d show reboot coming back it did <laughs> and it looked like code lyoko if i remember correctly <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> and on that note. Why? I ended on such a poignant note and you, you were like, reboot. That's what I did. That's what I do. It's my job here. Thank you all so much for listening. We come out with episodes every other week on Friday, except for this one, which was a special big Memorial Day long weekend celebration of all of DreamWorks 2D animated movies. But Back to our Friday schedule from now on. Yeah. Uh, if you like watching Steven Universe, you can join us with our Keep Beach City Quarantined Chill Appreciation Fancast Tuesday nights at 5 for our live stream. We release the episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes the following week. So even if you don't have Facebook, like myself, you can still follow along. And be sure to go to audibletrial.com slash married to the idea to get that 30-day trial membership and get a free book, whether that's the DreamWorks story or the Pixar story, because that is a fascinating story as well, because they weren't Disney originally. They were their own studio for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, be sure to check out Webtoons and the two, uh, Blackbird Hill and Lemons. Uh, and we'll be posting links uh, whenever we post this on our Facebook page. Yep. And if you want to support us, financially speaking, patreon.com slash married to the idea. I think. Is that all the links? Is that everything? We'd like to thank John Roderick. Oh, wait. <laughs> nope. Wrong podcast. Wrong nope. Podcast. We will be sued now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> until next time, he's been Aaron. She's been Les. And we're, we're married, married to, to the, the idea. idea.